Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana full hybrid guaranteed delivery low AP or finance and 48 hour test drive visit blackstonemotors.ie this is Irene Gahan sitting in for Jelly Kelly this afternoon now um, for the second year in a row there's been some uncertainty around the date of the Leaving Cert results um, which the CAO have said is unsatisfactory so the CAO is the body that are issued the third level offers for students once their exam results are in now Teresa Payne who is a secondary school guidance counsellor and a psychotherapist is on the line with us now Teresa hi how are you? Hi Irene, how are you? Nice yeah, to talk to you. I can hear you now. Good, <laughs> the good, lovely good. gremlins in the system. I, you can probably hear 900 students behind me, but we're on lunch break, so here we are. Not at all, don't be worrying, <laughs> don't be worrying. So this is the second year now we've had this little bit of a concern. Um, I presume students, the last thing students want to hear going into their exams is that there may be delays again. But the CA offers will get released um, after the uh, exam results come out. So from a career guidance perspective, um, what should students be aware of? What they sh- what they should they be kind of once the exams you get the exam results done, you get the results. What's the next step? Yeah, absolutely, Irene. Look, I know this happened last year and again now this year, obviously, there's yeah. the second exams are there for COVID and for bereavement. So that's super that they are offering that. Absolutely. We don't know anything yet. Um, you know, the CAO, the FTC, they have no dates yet. And as soon as they have, those dates will come out and they will be given to students. The CAO will publish them as soon as they get those dates. So students will know as soon as we know. Yeah. Um, for now, it's just speculation. Yeah. But anyway, in the meantime, students who have applied to CAO have just received their statement of application or should be receiving it if they haven't received the date. And it's up to them to go onto their CAO, onto their own login, and confirm that everything is correct that they have in there, you know, all their personal details on their course or whatever, make sure it's all correct. So that's what they should be doing now. And as you know, their Change of Mind facility has opened and it will remain open until the 1st of July for free, apart from restricted courses, which you can't apply for now. So again, they have until the 1st of July to firm that up. Uh, before they get their results as well, anyone who has applied to DARE and HERE should get notification of whether they are eligible or not by, I think the date is 28th of June this year. And again, they can go online onto their CAO and they'll find out whether they're eligible or not. They'll get an email too. Yeah. 
yeah. if they're ineligible and they want to appeal it, they would need to do that as soon as they get their decision because they only have up until I think it's the 4th of July to appeal. So if any student needs to appeal there or here, get straight back onto their school and onto their guidance counsellor and they will help them with that. Yeah, and that's one of the things I was going to say. Um, yeah. I don't think a lot of students realise that, that they, just because the exams are done or you're heading into the exams or you're, you know, you're getting through the exams, this, the career guidance t- uh, counsellor in the school is there from you, literally from not just once the exams are done and finished, like the career guidance is there to help you with your results, your CAO. Um, it's not just a kind of, okay, we're finished. I mean, I don't think a lot of students realise that that you're the go-to, as it were, in a school um, when they get, even when they get past that step. Yeah, absolutely. But not only are we the go-tos, I mean, the deputies and the principals are there too, yeah. but absolutely. And you were saying, what do they do? So when they get their results, they they go through their online portal so this is the new way of doing it now into the online portal look at their results or they can pick them up in school if they're not happy with them and they want to view some of their scripts they also apply to do that on the online portal and then they'll be given a date that they can come into school to have a look at their script with either a teacher if preferably or a parent can come in with them and then if they're if they feel that they should uh, appeal to get a recheck, then they can do that at that time. Yeah, and there's a small fee for that, isn't there? I think there is a small fee for that. Yeah. Is, yeah, but in some cases, you know, in some cases, it's, it's worth it to do it. Although the percentage, I know it was higher last year, but the percentage is usually in around seven percent that get upgraded. So it's not that high, you know. Yeah. But it's there nonetheless. Um, what were you asking me? Yeah. So, so when you get your offer, yeah. Is, is that, yeah. So when you get your offer, you might be delighted with it. Yeah. You you may not get the offer you want if you're appealing, of course, because that won't come out until the end of September. At which point, the second round may have already been gone through. Yeah. But once you get your offer, again, if you're happy with it, accept it straight away. If you're not happy with it and you want to know what your options are, again, get back onto your guidance counsellor. Because even, I mean, obviously we'll all be taking holidays, but we'll all be back at work. (laughs) By the time the results come out and the offers come out, we'll be back at work. So absolutely get back onto us. And and don't forget, you know, it's not all about the CAO. The PLC sector is there. The apprenticeship sector is there. And, you know, they're all booming so don't forget um, to look at those. I mean, we have a super um, uh, college in, in Dunboyne there, you know, with so many courses in it. Um, you know, love to see students coming in. And from every PLC course you do now, there's a gateway from there into a level six, or six seven or eight course, yeah. which is super. Yeah. And I suppose then the other aspect of that, I mean, we've discussed this before, um, yourself and myself in my other role. Um, But if students don't get the CIO offer that they want or they get a third or a fourth or a fifth one, um, there is options there. Now, obviously, it'll depend on when the actual results are out, but there are other options there. There's a clearing system to go to colleges in the UK. I don't know what the latest stats are, obviously, for going to the UK with Brexit and everything, but there are... It's this clearing, I think, up until kind of mid-September to get university places in the UK if you don't get the places that you want over here. Um, and then, yeah. I believe, yeah, so there's there's lots, there are still options there as well. There are. And uh, now don't forget, obviously, you've got the high fees in England, but, yeah. but the option is there. And again, um, you will need to get a reference and a statement worked on. And again, the school can help you with that. Yeah. But, 
the PLCs are open all the time and the apprenticeships are open all the time. So even as a backup to have a look at those as well. <clears throat> and also if you get a course in college, there's a possibility of deferring that course if you wanted to go and do a PLC course for a year before jumping into the university sector. Yeah, and if you get an offer that you're not, I suppose, absolutely sure of or absolutely convinced that's the one you need, that the PLC o- option is there to go and do it for a year and it works out, you know, it, it, it's, it seems to be a nice option for students to be absolutely comfortable that they know and they're happy with where they're going and it's what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And once you once you do the PLC course, you can then use that qualification to try to get into the level six, seven, or or eight course. And um, the other thing on the CAO form, Irene, always make sure that you fill in the level eight side and the level six, seven side. You know, some students forget that they have two options and they just go for level eight. Mm. And often the level six and seven course will move up into the level eight anyway. So you'll get there one way or the other. Yeah, and I think one of the things from my experience, and I was going to suggest just to mention it there, um, because the CAO... uh, May depending on where it's released, any students heading to Europe, there's very tight deadlines in Europe. So if you've been applied and you've been accepted based on results for Europe, um, you have to, if it's a case that it's outside the CAO, you need to get on to your, to your career guidance teacher or the whoever you've applied through because I know there's cutoffs, very, very early cutoffs for anyone going off to Europe as well. Yeah, and that's something to look out for. And hopefully that won't happen. Mm. But if it does, again, the the um, the website I always use, I said this to you before, Iron, yeah. is Unicast, E-U-N-I-C-A-S. Um, Guy Flouch there is super. He deals with an awful lot of students who are going to Europe uh, to courses taught through English. So he's my go-to. Yeah. So if you have any questions around dates or anything, I would suggest emailing him for that you, you'll find them online Teresa that's absolutely yeah. wonderful there's an awful lot to still be done so students thinking they're heading off on their holiday they're, <laughs> they're, uh, there's an awful lot still to do don't be relying on the mammy to look up your courses and your CAO and get that all done Teresa absolutely. if anyone wants to get in contact with you um, I think you're at tpainchoices at gmail.com yeah, I am indeed yeah t-p-a-y-n-e choices at gmail.com Teresa thank you that's so much great. for being with us I know this is, we could probably keep talking on this subject but thank you so much for this afternoon not at all Aaron you're very welcome take, take care, care. Bye. Bye bye The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drada Dundalk and Cavan the all new Dacia Jogger has arrived Ireland's most affordable full size seven seater family car with three full rows of seating and with extendable 2000 litre storage the spacious Jogger has all the space you need book your test drive now visit blackstonemotors.ie Welcome back. An appeal has been made to help an 80-year, 86-year-old grandmother who lost everything in a fire in her house last Thursday. And her daughter, her granddaughter, Adele, is on the line. Adele, how are you? Hi, Irene. How are you? Not too bad. How's your grandmother? Um, she's doing okay. Um, she's obviously in shock, but yeah. uh, she... Um, is very upset this morning. I think it's only hitting her now. Yeah, she must have been devastated. All of her treasured memories and everything in the house are, are, are all gone. And So what exactly happened? Um, so uh, Granny was um, snoozing on the couch in her armchair in oh. the sitting room and um, when she woke up, she well, she, she actually heard the uh, smoke alarm, uh, thankfully, and um, she... Gosh. 
seen when she woke up was she seen uh, loads of black uh, smoke thick black smoke um, now there's still an investigation going but it, uh, she was saying that it looked like it was coming from the corner of the room like where the radio was oh, wow. um, so uh, then she went out to the hallway and uh, she's a quick thinker so she is so she went she she was nervous to open the door because in case it was an electrical fire of course so um, she shimmied her way out to, yeah. through the door and then closed the door behind her the front door behind her um, um, she went out to the road then and flagged down um, a Thornton skip lorry um, and the driver had uh, stopped and he, um, lucky enough, he had um, a fire extinguisher in his truck and oh, wow. he he tried his very best to put out the fire. He banged, uh, banged down the door again and, um, Gosh. and he put out the fire in the hall but, and the neighbours called the fire brigade as well. Um, but by the time when the fire brigade was there, it was, it was very much gone. It was, yeah. it was so much gone. She's very yeah. lucky she had her smoke alarm. Oh, um, it's we, so important. Yeah. It's so, so important. And yeah. that's what the firefighters were saying. Like, uh, that's what everybody should be checking them because that's the only thing that literally saved her life. Saved her life. Her life. You know? yeah. 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 And whereabouts, so whereabouts does your grandmother live? So she lives in Mulhuzzy, um, Mulhuzzy, uh, right across the school, the uh, national school in Mulhuzzy. And as she, so I suppose the the big question from us is basically what um, what can we do? What what is the plan? What's the appeal? How can people help her? Because obviously, if she's lost everything and she's lost so much, um, what can what are you? You're setting up an appeal, I think, to help her to try and replace some things because she yeah. must have lost everything. I mean, she like if, at that point. Yes. So everything it was only the clothes on her back, unfortunately, oh. that she ha- that she has. Um, so she, um, we, all our grandchildren pulled together and we have set up a GoFundMe. So uh, people can log on there for donations. Um, and um, it's called uh, Please Help Kathleen Weldon Rebuild Her Life. Oh, that's so sweet. That's It's such a nice thing to do for her. Um, yeah. So you were saying you would really, really like to thank um, a few people for, for, for looking after your grandmother. Yes. Um, I'd like to thank um, the skip uh, man that helped um, Granny. And the community has been absolutely amazing. Um, we can't thank everyone enough for what they've been doing the last week. Um, also, um, Blanchestown Hospital because Granny had to go into uh, hospital that night uh, for smoke inhalation. Yeah. Um, and the ambulance service has been amazing as well, and the firefighters from Ashburn, Minute, and um, uh, uh, Trim as well. 
Yeah. It's been amazing. It sounds like a lot of people are, there's a bit of support, there's support around her anyway to kind of help her and look after her. If anyone uh, wants to help um, Adele's grandmother, Kathleen Weldon, they can go to gofundme.com and then it's please help Kathleen Weldon rebuild her life is the website um, to basically offer any support that they can. Um, Adele, thank you so much. I really hope your grandmother is doing well. Thank you so much, Irene. You're very welcome. Take care. Thanks. No problem. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. With rising fuel costs, there's never been a better time to own the fully electric Renault Zoe and save thousands. New and nearly new options available. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now, welcome back. Um, I of that I'm of that age that I grew up with uh, NASA and shuttle launches and space. It was a big thing when we were in school. I'm not so much sure it is as much anymore. But the next person on the line may be able to help us get our kids excited about space and stars and planets. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland is on the line with us. Hi, David. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome to the show. So. How do we get our kids interested and excited about the stars? Well, I think everybody has to agree that the long-term future of the human race lies in space. We're now seeing even private individuals, admittedly of great wealth, having regular access to space. So there are government programs to get people into space for very good reason. There's a lot of ways of making money and indeed improving the human condition for going into space. Now there's even space tourists, and that price is expected to drop. And kids today, you know, they can look back and see, there have only been 600 people in space, but the world's two richest men, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, said they're going to put one million people, not just in space, but on Mars, where no one has gone yet, by the end of this century. If anybody else said that, you'd say they were crazy, but they've got the money to do it. And more importantly, space companies that are launching successful rockets are ready to do it. Absolutely. Well, I told you one of the things on my bucket list the last time we spoke was to go to Cape Canaveral and have a a breakfast with an astronaut. And I was the oldest person at the table. I thought it was the best thing ever. So... Getting kids into it, though, is a big thing. So if children were to go out into the back garden, what can they see in the night sky currently? Because we have to start with them. They're going to be the ones that get us to the moon and Mars and beyond. Well, if they go out the next few nights, next 10 nights, in fact, they might see their future office because the International (laughs) Space Station is blazing across Irish skies every night from now until the 28th of May. It's a different time every night. So last night, for instance, I think it was nine minutes past 11, and there were some breaks in the clouds, and I certainly got to see it. And we publish these predictions when to watch for Ireland on our social media every day in the afternoon. So there'll be a prediction going out in the next hour or so. And anyone can go out and look at it, because it, is, it looks like a bright star moving across the sky, about the speed that a high-flying jet aircraft crosses the sky. So it doesn't just whip across the sky in one second. It's going to take one or two minutes. And it's up to 100 times brighter than the brightest star in the sky. And that's what I call unmistakable. And when you're watching it for a minute or two, just think, there are currently seven astronauts on board, including two women, and that could be you if you're a young person, or even a 
needed a middle-aged person in a few years' time. The European Space Agency have a share in it. Ireland's a part of ESA, and they have been advertising for jobs just last year. I was applying for a European Space Agency job again. In fact, I think I had four astronaut applications in last year. So the jobs are coming up, and we'd encourage young people with interest in in general space in particular to follow astronomy on because when any of those jobs come up we immediately announce them on our social media we still want the first astronaut born on Irish soil to go into space but a few that have Irish passports and Irish citizenship uh, but we want a purebred if you like Irish astronaut so that's what I'd say to kids to get them inspired and parents listening if your kid expresses any interest in space they'll have to go to college to get a degree in some form of science or technology and there are copious jobs, the best-paid jobs in Ireland, in that area, if they don't end up as a national. Because we've got all these tech companies, internet companies, yeah. pharmaceutical companies, uh, chip manufacturing companies. They are screaming out for science graduates. And Ireland's economy is something like 60% of our GDP is based on science and technology now. wasn't like that when I was a kid graduating from college. And so but just to put that in context, some people, older people remember the Celtic Tiger 20 years ago when it started to roar. And 20% of our economy was the building boom back then. Science is three times bigger than the Celtic Tiger construction industry ever was today. And that's going to continue into the future. Absolutely. Well, if I was 25 young, years younger and coming out with my chemistry and physics degree, it's certainly something I would apply for. It That would be kind of cool to do. And we had a big, uh, we had an event there at the weekend. It was, the, was it Red Moon? It was a red, the sun, yeah, it was an it. eclipse? We had the first total eclipse of the moon in three yeah. years. And there won't be another total eclipse of the moon visible from Ireland for another three years. Now, there will be other eclipses, a partial ones, and indeed an eclipse of the sun coming up in October. And uh, we're trying to get everybody out to watch at dawn, 3 a.m. to about 5.30 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, and if they tried that, like me, they were probably greeted by rain. But it looks like some southern parts of the country might have had a few breaks. To date, we've had no Irish person who has seen it, but we're doing a big report for Astronomy Island magazine using some of the best eclipse pictures from around the world. And if we do get an Irish one, that'll certainly be going in because it is Astronomy Ireland magazine. There are plenty of other international ones, but ours is a homegrown one. We hope people will sign up to get the magazine. It's produced by volunteers, so it's about half the price of all the commercial international ones and better. Yeah, and you won uh, lots of events as well for various levels, like public talks, which were, could be go quite academic. But then you also do like beginners courses and evening courses, don't you? For anyone who wants to get interest, is interested in astronomy and would like to get involved with uh, Astronomy Ireland. You guys run courses and public talks. Absolutely. And uh, even our monthly public talks are not academic. Astronomy is very much for people who are not interested in astronomy. If you're interested in astronomy, you're going to join Astronomy Ireland. Yeah. It's already the world's most popular astronomy club. So what we're always trying to do is get new people interested because they're missing out. So we had a public lecture last Monday and we asked an expert, admittedly a professor from the Space Centre in England, to talk about what has space ever done for us? And he told us <laughs> all about all the missions that are coming up and how our everyday lives are affected by space. And we always brief them to talk to people who have no scientific training. Yeah. Kids and families. There'll be another talk coming up, very interesting one, by the guy who killed the planet Pluto. At least that's what he said in his book. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Mike Brown. 
That should be fascinating. June the 13th, remember correctly, details are on our website, astronomy.ie. Hopefully everyone will tune in to that. And another event like the big barbecue that's coming up in August, where we hope to have an astronaut give the main talk at that event. It's Ireland's biggest annual star party, and it's the 30th anniversary this year. So the multi-meeting, that big barbecue, lots of other events going on as well. The Sun Show coming up in June. Uh, and just keep following us on social media. That's free. And we'll keep you informed of all the events coming up around the country. And do sign up for the magazine. It's only about a euro a week. Now, who can't afford a euro a week? And we'll keep you informed of Irish astronomy in particular and international astronomy for sure. And one of our listeners has just uh, texted in to say, if I want to get my child a telescope, what is the best starter telescope to get? Is there a, sp- is there a particular one to get? Yeah, there's two things I can say immediately. Oh, I just remember you asked me about the evening classes. Yes, they start in October, but you can enrol now. Just go to astronomy.ie and you'll see that. For mm-hmm. telescopes, there, are, there is a web page on astronomy.ie giving people initial advice on the kind of telescopes to look out for. First thing is, telescopes are not rated by their magnification. That's a common misconception. You can change the magnification on the telescope, anything from zero to millions if you want. Uh, zero won't work great, millions won't work great, but somewhere in between, you'll get a good view. The most important thing is the diameter. The wider a telescope is, ah. the more light it collects, the brighter you'll see things, and the more detail you'll see. And there are two different types, mirror ones and lens ones, and the webpage goes into that a bit. And the great thing is, because we're an astronomy trip, we have volunteers. If you're confused still after reading that webpage, they will ring you up and do a one-on-one conversation. You know, some people want to use the telescope for t- photography, some just want to have a casual look at the moon, and some people want to see really distant objects like galaxies and star clusters. So there's a lot you can do with the telescope, and we can help you. And then make sure you get them a subscription to the magazine, because all they'll <laughs> do is look at the moon for the first few nights and then put the telescope in the attic for the rest of the life. And they'll miss eclipses that are coming, comets that are coming, the moon passing near planets, when the planets are on view, how to see them best. Uh, and again, a euro a week is all it's going to yeah. cost. And you d- might spend a hundred quid on a telescope, the magazine will be a much better investment. And dare I say it, any meteors that might be coming our way that we kind of need to take, <laughs> we kind of need to be aware of as well, I presume. Absolutely. Big meteor shower in August another big one coming in December. Some people might have heard of one coming up, a, a very short-lived one at the end of May. We don't think that'll be visible from Ireland, but our friends in other countries around the world might see it, so we're going to be following that story in, in, in yeah. very closely in particular. I suppose that's the one thing that we, that's the one thing that we, the weather's always going to be against us in Ireland in some uh-huh. cases, that's to yeah. go outside and see some of these fabulous events uh, that, that, are, that, are, that are happening. David, um, I really appreciate you being on the show um, as a as a self-confessed X-Files fanatic. Um, I leave the last word with you. Word with you. Um, are we really alone? <laughs> Is there someone out there? It's a tough question. In fact, uh, we have uh, uh, three part, three one-hour shows coming up about life in the universe on RTE. Hasn't announced it on the transmitter. It's been recorded. It's in the can. Uh, I'm linking all the shows together. So again, watch our social media because the truth is out there and hopefully it will come from Astronomy Island. David, thank you so much to bring with us this afternoon. Really appreciate it. David Moore, Astronomy Ireland. Take care. Bye-bye. 
The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. With rising fuel costs, there's never been a better time to own the fully electric Renault Zoe and save thousands. New and nearly new options available. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now on the line, we have an Irish athlete that has run a gruelling 89 hours in an ultra race in Germany, covering an incredible 596 kilometres, which is about the same as 14 marathons. Keith, you must be exhausted because I'm exhausted just reading and thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, slightly, slightly tired always. <laughs> you must be. How are you still awake? How are you still up? <laughs> Ah, uh, probably full of caffeine tablets, I'd say. Uh, no, we got um, got about two or three hours sleep because uh, we finished early hours this morning, and then just went for breakfast and sort of just try to chill out now for the rest of the day. So, what's the race you're competing in? Um, so the race is it's the last one standing. So uh, it's the um, race of champions backyard masters, and um, so it was an invitational race. Um, it was really basically because we we were meant to go to Tennessee there last year for the World Championships, but due to restrictions with COVID, um, we couldn't get in. So um, Alex Hall, the race director in, in Germany, put together this race. So he invited say, anyone that has done the backyard and has done over uh, a certain time or anyone that has won a high-profile race. Um, so that's, that's really who, who was in this race at the weekend. And how are you feeling? Because I think that's just incredible. I, it's just an amazing achievement. How are you feeling in yourself? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, like, look, I didn't get the win, but uh, at the end of the day, like, we we set a new world record. Um, I became the assist to the new world record for Marin Gertz, um, who's from uh, Belgium. Um, so... I, I look. I, I'm delighted with with how it went. Um, I gave everything I could, and look, it went for I went for 89 hours, which was uh, was a 26 you, hours more than uh, the last time. I was going to say you beat your own record, but you beat your own record yeah. by a good bit. Yeah, 26 hours. Yeah. And in terms of eating, like, what do you eat in the middle of all that? How do you eat in the middle of all that? More to the point. It's um, yeah. Look, especially over here in Germany, it, it was very, very hot. Um, so plenty of water, um, a lot of salt, and yeah, getting food in because um, the longer it goes on, it can cause issues. Um, like I think we calculated up that I drank forty nine liters of water uh, over the four days. So once you can sort of keep that going in then food, you'll be able to digest food um, a lot easier once you're not uh, dehydrated. It must be very difficult because you have to complete a lap of 6.706 kilometres to be exact each hour and the remaining time is to eat and sleep. That doesn't leave you with very much sleeping and eating time, does it really, doing laps? It's not a whole pile of time, no. And there was 100 metres of elevation in this one as well. Um, and I think most of the elevation on this one was in one go. So you had a lot of, of walking uphill to do. Um, but yeah, like once you get back to the finish line, it was trying to grab five minutes sleep. And then you have three whistles with three minutes to go, uh, two whistles then with two minutes to go, and one whistle to to say like the next one is, is you have to be on the start line. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, ha- it's all very rough. <laughs> and do you have any injuries? I mean, have, do, do you get injuries out of that? I mean, I can imagine the battering your body must take doing all that kind of work. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's really what came down to it at the end of the day. Um, a lot of it is down to, to mental test as well. Yeah. Um, so, you, like, you, you do start to hallucinate a lot, oh. um, especially at night because you're up in the forest and it, it's just black dark. Like, if you turn off your head, like, you won't see the hand in front of your face. Um, and I think it was on the second last lap or the last lap that i done, I sort of just remember waking up and sort of talking, but turned around, there was no one there beside me. So um, you don't get freaked out. You just sort of you sort of know that you sort of doze off when you've been walking. <laughs> so you just have to recognise that and uh, try and sort it out when you get back to the, to the finish line again because you can't keep doing that hour after hour. Otherwise, like, you just become like a, a health hazard yourself yeah. and you can fall and over, trip over something. Completely else. understandable, yeah. completely. And yeah. Sammy is also on the line. Sammy, you're in charge of Keith's Irish backyard team. Um, <laughs> what have you got to say about Keith? It sounds incredible. <laughs> no, he's done a brilliant job. We're all proud of him. I mean, I think half of Ireland and the UK was watching, watching the update. Uh, he's done us proud. We it, thought there was something wrong on that lap he was talking about because that was the slowest one of the race. I think yeah. it was 47 minutes. That's yeah. right, yeah. It was, uh, That's right. Fast. It sounds like an awful lot of work. The fastest lap of the Belgium runner. And in terms of looking after Keith, obviously you're looking after, you know, you're looking after everybody, but what kind of things do you have to do in the background to make sure Keith, st- you know, stays healthy and obviously his because head stays in the right space? We we just organised the the team for the championship race. And, uh, we set the courses up. We don't take that part. Keith has his own crew for that. But each runner has their own specialised people to help. We just uh, are in charge of putting the team together to take on the rest of the world. Wow. But to be honest with you as well, I think you need to because like there's an awful lot of trust that goes into someone that's crewing for you because like they they're like essential to how well you're going to do yeah um, absolutely because they're the so. ones there that look after you when you get in they're ready just to go to give you food to change your socks change your runners like if you've taken off someone's runners after 40 hours of running oh. like that's like it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> like so <laughs> and what's next I'm afraid to even ask what ne- what's next um, well Obviously, uh, we have the European Championships with uh, Atlas running now in June. It's the 24-hour National Championships. Um, and where's that so being that's held? Next, that's in Victoria Park in Belfast. Okay. So, uh, so that's for me. And hopefully then in October, we have the World Satellite uh, Backyard Championships as well. Um, and that's qualifiers then to go to uh, the World Championships in Tennessee for next year. Wow. So you have a lot of training and everything in between all that. Well, look, you know what? We Best of luck. Congratulations on the upcoming races. Congratulations. Um, I tell you, I don't think there'd be very few people would take on that those kind of challenges. So I'm incredibly impressed. We have a song dedicated to you, which um, I think you'll enjoy. So it's uh, Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. Sammy and Keith, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much.
Take care, Judge. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk and Cavan. Talk to our van specialist, Danny, about the new Renault traffic and master range. Visit blackstonemotors.ie to see our massive range of light commercials with same-day business finance. Now, welcome back. Um, this subject is particularly close to my own heart, as it were. Um, the majority of children who get diagnosed in primary school with a specific learning difficulty, um, such as dyslexia, but what happens when they're missed? What happens when they don't get those assessments in primary school? Now, I know the system has changed over the last few years, but there are an awful lot of students that are going through secondary school that haven't been assessed. Um, and on the line now is Rosie Bissett, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Dyslexia Association of Ireland. Rosie, good afternoon. Afternoon, Irene. Many of our young people in secondary school are getting missed. Why do you think this is? Yeah, unfortunately, um, still there's too many children, I think, getting to that stage without getting their needs properly identified. Um, I would say certainly we're getting better at catching it without a doubt. I mean, if I look back over my years working in the the area, certainly it's... um, I think our awareness of dyslexia and identification rates are certainly improving, but kids are still slipping through the net for a variety of reasons. I suppose some of that is... It's, uh, and parents in particular will be aware of this, uh, schools get very limited access to uh, assessment. And unfortunately, then they also, the assessments are, I suppose, naturally enough targeted to the children with the most severe degree of need, yeah. which is fair enough also. But it does mean then that kids with maybe more mild or moderate uh, difficulties slip through. Um Undoubtedly, another factor is the training that teachers have had on dyslexia and indeed many other learning difficulties is very hit and miss. Some of them have had very little and therefore their awareness and I suppose their full understanding of how it presents and how it impacts on students um, isn't always as good as you would like it to be. Um, So um, it does mean then that they're not necessarily spotting signs. I think particularly when children maybe are quieter sometimes as well. They're more likely to get picked out because if they're quiet head down back of the classroom they're seen to maybe just be underachieving but they're not viewed as having a problem necessarily as opposed to maybe a child who's acting out or having more behavioural or challenges we'll say like that. Yeah, And they reckon that 10% I mean the the original statistics I suppose maybe 5 or 10 years ago was that there was 10% of children in a classroom would have uh, a specific learning difficulty so Mm -hmm. we're talking about a class of 30 you might have 3 but I think the most recent academic is saying it's nearer to it's nearer to double that it's nearer to 20% because half of those may not actually even be diagnosed yeah, well, now there's, I suppose there's a bit of contention around the so, yeah. instance rates like that. To be honest, it's only really in America and places like mm. that that they would talk about up to one in five. And it's more so to do with where do you kind of draw the line as Absolutely. to what's a, a slight literacy difficulty and what's dyslexia, you know. Yeah. But certainly, I mean, it's a minimum 10% and possibly more. And then also, obviously, dyslexia, dyslexia is certainly the most common specific learning difficulty, the most high incidence one, as they, they would say in the department. But there are also lots of others that... Yeah can uh, sometimes coexist with dyslexia or be there separately. Things like dyspraxia, um, attention deficit and things like that as well. Um, So it is very common. It is going to be at least three children in a classroom. Um, And in a way, if you're not seeing those kind of levels, that's unusual. But obviously, sometimes there will be more than that as well. 
Yeah, and very, as you said earlier, I thought that was quite interesting. And very often not, it the child that's misses the child that's very quiet, doesn't cause any issues, sits in the mm-hmm. corner, and quite often are not. Um, would be described maybe as lazy or a daydreamer or watches out the window or, you know, just doesn't cause any grief. So, you know, we're yeah. not going to, there's no intervention suddenly jumped in, as it were. Um, but parents, yeah, I think, parents will recognise it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we would always say to parents, you know, parents know their child the best, okay? Because, you know, you are you can see 100% where they're at, what yeah. they're good at, what they're struggling with, okay? You're looking at your child's individual work. And in fairness to teachers, you know, they have up to 30 kids in a classroom. Absolutely. It's very challenging to get around and see all of them individually and have that same level of detail. You know, I suppose an interesting thing that we would have seen in COVID is that I suppose because parents were thrown in at the deep end of, of becoming yeah. the educators at home, sometimes actually that really brought to light for parents. Hang on. Oh, my God, I didn't realise my child was struggling so, you know, yeah. uh, to this degree or this much, you know. So, so, so in some ways... COVID maybe helped some people to spot signs that they uh, that were, weren't as obvious to them beforehand. Yeah, and I suppose one of the the um, one of the things my son got a late diagnosis in TY, and he's, he doesn't mind me discussing it. Thankfully, um, yeah. one of the biggest things that he got was that he was lazy. Now, this is a child that did sports four nights a week on a Saturday and a Sunday with no problem. Definitely not lazy. But he was academically at the time, I might stress at the time, he was academically lazy. And that's how he was described. He just Uh coasted through. But, you know, as the teachers say, nice kid, he'll be grand. But one of the comments that he got was, you know what, you're not academic. You know, maybe not every student with dyslexia gets to college. So, you know what, maybe look at something practical. And I think the the... One of the things that we found as obviously as a parent and obviously as a, a an educator as well, is that you as a parent, you sometimes have to fight to get it mm-hmm. recognised in the school. And have you have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, any parent of a child who has any kind of additional neck and uh, needs will absolutely recognise what you're saying, Irene. It is a battle. Do you know what I mean? Whether your child has dyslexia or autism or, or whatever, yeah. you often are, you're your child's best advocate. You understand your child's profile and often you are the one who is trying to educate the teachers and educate the schools. And sometimes it is about quashing the schools uh, or teachers' misconceptions about a child. That yeah. term of lazy is such a trigger, okay? It and is. it is something that so many dyslexics have heard or have had thrown at them. And in reality, it's almost the flip of that because, you know, and as you'll know from, from you know, yourself, um, for kids with dyslexia, um, they often have to work so much harder um, to produce the same kind of level of work. So let's say, for example, with homework, the kid with dyslexia could have spent twice or three times as long yeah. and parents you're pulling their hair out trying to get homework done at home. And yet when it goes into school the next day, it's, you know, it's covered in red pen and teacher is just spotting yeah. all the negatives and the child, you know, and, and again, it's described as lazy. Did you not spend, you know, did you do this in five minutes? And that really can be so destroying for a child, you know, so it's really important to, I suppose, to break that conception of uh, connection between literacy and intelligence. Research has shown this for so long. Dyslexia is not related to intelligence. You know, how well you can read and spell is not necessarily related to intelligence, you know. And we need to stop making assumptions about children's ability and their potential and even what career or college 
app, etc. we see for them based on how well they can read and spell. And it's looking at where are their strengths, what is their potential and what accommodations can we put in place, um, be it with exam accommodations, the their alternative entry route, making sure we're picking subjects that tap into their strengths, you know, as much as possible yeah. to give these kids the best opportunity to to achieve their potential. No, I'd completely agree. And there's an awful lot of, as you say, the intelligence isn't in question. So there are, though, as parents, I mean, parents do need to advocate. And I would be, uh, you know, I would be on the receiving end listening to parents that, and I've had parents crying on the phone, their tears and they just, Mm -hmm. the frustration levels of my child spent all this time doing their homework three times much as anyone else. They might spend four or five hours. As you say, they go in and their mental health and their anxiety levels for the child are destroyed. So as a result, the child even withdraws even further. and, Mm -hmm. And it's a vicious cycle, as you say. It absolutely can be a vicious cycle, you know, and that's where, look, ideally you want everyone to be on the same game and uh, same uh, same team and everyone working together, yeah. you know, parents and teachers, you know, and that the child is getting consistent messages and that, and also it's seeing dyslexia beyond just literacy. And I suppose that's the challenge with, particularly in relation to the issue of the need for more teacher training on it, you know, sometimes, you know, people can think, oh, it's just a reading and spelling problem or, or oh, if we, oh, they're, get, they're going to the learning support teacher, therefore tick, tick, that's their dyslexia being dealt with, you know. Yeah. It's looking at, no, this child is in the classroom, the mainstream classroom or, or with their various subject teachers in second level the vast majority of the time and every teacher, every adult working, engaging with that young person has a responsibility both in terms of educationally but also thinking about the mental health impact yeah. for them, you know. Um, I mean look, that thing of parents on the phone crying, unfortunately that's something that we you know, experience reality. all too often as well yeah. on our helpline and sometimes it's things like little throwaway remarks that just, you know, like the God, did you even bother trying on this at all? Or, you know, well, I'm not going to bother asking you to read out loud in class because we'll be here all day. You know, you read so slow or whatever. Throw away remarks like that that can absolutely just take the legs out from under someone and undo months and years of trying to build up a young person's confidence in themselves. It's soul-destroying for children. It's soul-destroying for children and I hear it all the time and it's soul-destroying for children who are trying their absolute best all the time. Mm -hmm. But at at the Dyslexia Association of Ireland, you run um, training courses, don't you, for parents and seminars for parents? We do. So we run a whole range of different training options. I suppose one of them is for parents. Uh, and I, I certainly I've seen it, seen it myself so in so many occasions. I think one of the things for parents when their kid is first diagnosed is the absolute best thing a parent can do is start to educate themselves, I you know, agree. because they need to learn about dyslexia broadly. And then I suppose it's also about, you know, and you know this, Irene, having, <laughs> having, having it within the family. It's also learning about, OK, but what does that mean for your own young person? Yeah. Because dyslexia is what is known as I suppose a spectrum condition in that it is very varied you know um, and in terms of exactly the profile of strengths and weaknesses but also the degree to which it affects individuals varies a lot um, so it's about you know uh, learning about dyslexia broadly but also then I suppose uh, learning within for your own child yeah. around their profile um and also not focusing only on where their challenges are. I yeah. think that's a really tricky one sometimes as well, particularly when, you know, for parents when you're it's newly diagnosed and your your absolute 
instinct is how do we solve the problem? How do we deal well, with the, the things that I, are a challenge? Rosie, yeah. I think what we'll do is we'll come back to that at another stage because I think there's an awful lot more conversation there to be had. Rosie, thank you so much for joining us no there this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Definitely something to continue. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Now... Now, this afternoon's uh, the late lunch competition for this week is from Carlingford Lock Cruises, who have a range of two-hour evening cruises in Carlingford Lock every weekend right the way through the summer, starting this Saturday, the 21st of May. So we have tickets to give away to a lucky winner who may enjoy Sunset Cruises, Lock and Lighthouse Cruise, Jazz, Blues and Cayley Cruises. And all the cruises offer a range of food and drink op- on board. So, to celebrate the reopening of the Carlingford Lock Ferry full-time car schedule service, plus the launch of their new summer passenger cruise, we have tickets to give away. So, what do you have to do? Text or WhatsApp um, Carlingford and your name and your location to 086 1800 658 to win the prize and we will pick it out after the news at three today. That's winners can choose their dates from any schedule from the schedule online and they can find more information on carlingfordlockcruises.com. So best of luck with the entries um, text in to 086 1800 658 and next up bringing us into the news Tina Turner the best. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Talk to our van specialist, Danny, about the new Renault traffic and master range. Visit blackstonemotors.ie to see our massive range of light commercials with same-day business finance. Now, County Mead Chamber is holding a Mead Business Owners Networking Session in the Blackwater Suite at the Headford Golf Club this Friday at 10am. The session will last an hour and it's open to all Mead Business Owners and you can register online at countymeadchamber.ie forward slash events. Also, the Navin's Women's Shed will open their new venue at the Claremont Stadium on Monday, the 23rd of May at 8.30 and all are welcome. Now, now our competition all this week was to win a prize for, from the Carlingford Lock Cruises um, excuse me, company and we have a winner. It is definitely a very, very popular uh, competition. So the winner is Joanne Kelly from Dunleer. Congratulations, you win our prizes today. Um, and if you want to check out the schedule, it's carlingfordlockcruises.com. Now, a little bit of Aslan. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Test drive the new Renault Arcana or the fully electric Zoe. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome now. Welcome back. Um, Two thirds of people over the age of 50 in Ireland have high blood pressure, but almost half are unaware of it, sparking calls for a nationwide campaign. So experts have called it the silent killer because almost half of sufferers don't even realise they have it. And the Irish Heart Foundation has said this information gap can cause preventable heart events and strokes and it's calling for a five-year drive to tackle it. On the line with me now is Catherine Riley, who is the policy manager with the Irish Heart Foundation. Good afternoon, Catherine. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me on this afternoon. No, thanks for joining us. So this is pretty significant. Yeah, it 
really is. Um, as you mentioned, hypertension often goes unnoticed, but it is one of the leading modifiable risk factors for cardiovascular disease and premature death um, and disease worldwide. And, and not only is it uh, a risk factor for stroke and heart disease, but a number of other conditions um, are affected as a result, including diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, kidney diseases. So lack of awareness um, around this really can have very striking health and economic consequences. Mm. And that's why the Irish Heart Foundation has been calling since last year. And again, we've been re- we've reaffirmed it for um, European Stroke Awareness Day and World Hypertension Awareness Day yesterday for a five-year awareness and behaviour change campaign so that we can improve quality of life, reduce that disability and um, mortality due to, to um, hypertension and reduce the burden of cost to the health service. Yeah, now a lot of people probably wouldn't even be aware that, you know, getting your, you know, getting your blood pressure checked on a regular basis is something that they really need to do. So I think it's very good uh, campaign awareness that's out there and getting it checked. Um, where do they have to go? So do they go to their doctors? A lot of, I think some pharmacists check blood pressure as well, I believe. Yes, it is. So you, um, we would recommend that you will go to your doctor or you go, you know, to try to get your blood pressure checked regularly mm. and ask what your reading is. You would go to your GP. But as you mentioned, many pharmacies are now offering blood pressure checks and some can do 24-hour blood pressure monitoring. The problem is that in Ireland, um, currently only patients who hold a medical or a GP visit card can receive checkups for hypertension without charges. And there's, there's no plans to, at present to introduce free checkups um, the, to the general population and that's something that is particularly concerning for us and um, yeah. because you know and there has been no government program on the topic in recent years um, and because it doesn't cause symptoms um, it, it has often been overlooked and because as we mentioned it is a silent killer that's why we want to create that awareness and create behavior changes get better management um, in, in, in society of it to reduce, reduce the risks. And if we look to Canada, for example, they've been extremely successful in a detection and, and treatment program. So we would like in the future to have to work towards a system like that. But it is really important that we start now with that awareness and, and behaviour change campaign. And as well as that, that we can build up better data around the, yes. the statistics of, of, of prevalence in the community because the you know the figures that you mentioned at, at the start of the piece you know that data is already 10 years old and because we don't have that kind of mo- regular monitoring we don't have the data and we know from just just drawing on the the, the, the 10 year old data that we do have from tilda and from slon and um, the slon survey there could be a prevalence of nearly 1.4 million people over 45 and um, uh, with hypertension by 2026 and that's really striking. Yeah. And many of the strokes are preventable um and they are actually they are actually preventable. What would be risk factors? What would be high risk factors for people other than high blood pressure? I mean, what would what would cause um high blood pressure? Well, in terms of um, how to improve it, you know, you have to, obviously there's things like, you know, aiming for a healthy weight, eat less salt and processed food, eat more fruit and veg drink less alcohol, be more active, obviously avoid smoking, high cholesterol is, is another issue. Um, but it, these are things, it's, 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 it's looking at your behaviours as well and looking at those other issues around your, um, your lifestyle. And, they, you know, it, it goes for many um, chronic diseases and non-communicable diseases, um, you know, whether it be diabetes, cancers, looking at, at some of those risk factors and, kind of, and trying to reduce those in your life. 
Yeah, and I mean, few Irish patients are routinely evaluated um, to determine the presence of hypertension. So, as you say, awareness is very, very low. Um, so, what do people do? Should just people go in and ask their GP to get checked up, or is that something that the GP will suggest to the, to them? Or do people need to be proactive about it? I think we. Uh, that's why the Irish Heart Foundation ha- are lobbying the government for this campaign. Um, yeah. So we uh, we're doing we we have it with a number of key health and non-government organisations to run this, um, because obviously GPs are overburdened currently, and um, and, and pharmacists also. But it is really important that we do that, and is, there is a level of proactivity around it because if we start to, um, you know, uh, get the, the greater awareness uh, and the uh, greater public awareness, and try to motivate people to attend their GP and pharmacist for regular blood check, that then helps kind of deal with your prevalence and control of blood pressure. Then it deals with. Um, you know, managing chronic disease and further issues like stroke and heart disease down the line. And again, the cost of hypertension-related disease in Ireland could be as high as seven, over 700 million euro, and that's really, really extensive. So while it is, um, you know, while it could be a, a burden maybe at the beginning to try and, you know, we don't want a, a massive influx of people to, mm. to overburden the GP system, which we know is already overburdened. To yourself. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is important that we get awareness of it. And for example, we have a mobile health unit that goes out, does blood pressure checks. We have um, different programs in the community and like Farmers of Hearts that does checks at Mars, for example. Um, but it's, it's those community programs as well that are yeah. really important. Um, but it is it is creating that awareness. And if people do feel um, uh, feel unwell or if they are concerned, particularly if there is a history of high blood pressure in their families, it is important to get checked. Yeah. And particularly, as we mentioned, in the older, um, uh, like some 45 years plus. Okay, Catherine, come here. Thank you so much uh, for joining us this afternoon. That was Catherine Riley, Policy Manager with the Irish Heart Foundation. Appreciate it. Now, uh, Eddie Caffrey is coming up on LMFM Drive. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.